0: You're listening to the Harborside Church Podcast. To connect with us online, go to www.harborside.org. We hope you enjoy this message.
1: I'm a little bleary-eyed this morning. I'm a bit tired. Because last night I joined 60,000 of my closest friends to see one of my favourite bands, U2. And I've got to admit that actually the night before, I was there as well with, an, <laughs> with another of my 60,000 closest friends. First night in the seats. That's how you should do it when you're approaching 40, let me just say. Sophisticated. You walk in, you've got your seat. Last night, standing up for about eight hours. But it was good. I was with my brother. and I had a few kind of existential aha moments during this whole U2 thing, a lot of them around age. A couple weeks ago, I was talking to some younger people that have started at the church recently. I said, are oh, you guys going to U2? And they were like, you who? <laughs> wow. I just I couldn't believe it. I honestly couldn't believe it. And then, and then last night, just looking around saying, you are all just so old. <laughs> but you know what? They were probably looking at me thinking the same thing. But regardless of age, we had a great time. Man had a great time. Um, what a show, they, those guys know how to put on a great show, they've been playing stadium rock for about 40 years and they put on an awesome show, each one of those four in the band, if you're not aware who they are, if you've been living under a rock or I guess under 30, you may not know who they are, awesome band, four members, Larry Mullen Jr. on the drums, just laying it down, simple and good on the drums. Then there's Adam, the only Englishman in the band, the second half of the rhythm section, laying it down on bass. Then, of course, you've got The Edge, giving you two their iconic sound. And then, of course, there's Bono on lead vocals. Great, wonderful, talented men. You could say that none of them are very exceptional at what they do on their own. They are talented, but they've actually copped a bit of criticism over the years for not being that great at what they do on their own. They kind of play their instruments quite simplistically, but when they come together bringing their individual talents to the table, they really bring something truly special, a a soundtrack for multiple generations. The great thing about this band is they're not trying to step on each other's toes. Bono's not back there trying to show Larry how to play the drums. Adam's not not there kind of saying, Bono, this is how you're to be a lead singer. They give each other the space to do their unique thing And the result is far greater than the sum of their parts. So this morning, what's that got to do with anything? I just want to relive the last two nights, okay? (laughs) That's what I really want to do. This morning, we're going to see that you and I, as members of the Church of Jesus Christ, as members of this local church, can be a lot like the band U2. We can be a lot like any great band. We can be a lot like any great team, for that matter. Because when we work together using the unique gifts that God has given every single one of us to use for the common good, the possibilities can be quite extraordinary. And We are in the middle of our series called Life Together. I think we're in our fifth week, asking what's Harborside Church all about? What's important to us? What are our foundational values? What do we give time to? What do we really care about? What's important to us? As a church, a few weeks back, we looked at the foundational value of prayer. We ain't going anywhere without prayer. For the last three weeks, we've been looking at what it means to be a generous church. What does it mean to have generosity as a foundational value for us as a church? This morning, we are looking into the topic of service, of giftings, of every member ministry. What would it look like? have a church full of people willing to use their gifts to serve each other. Now, we talk a lot about getting involved here at church, don't we? Come, get involved, join a team, get involved, get involved to feel involved, all that kind of good stuff. But why, why do we talk about that? Well, it's kind of obvious, isn't it? I mean, we can't do it on our own. Like me, Pip, Janice, and a few other key people can't do it on our own. We can't run amazing kids ministry we can't do worship and sound and morning tea and coffee and all those fantastic things a handful of people just can't do that so we need people to get involved but what does the bible have to say about that is it just janice and Dave rabbiting on saying come on join a team we need you but what does god's word say about serving a church so we're going to dive into this topic together looking at the passage read so well from us by tani we're going to look at one corinthians to help us on this topic Now, who wrote that? The apostle Paul. He wrote it to a church in Corinth. That church, pretty similar to ours, probably even a bit smaller, lots of talented people, lots of gifts, lots of skills, lots of supernatural gifts. But let me say this. They had some serious problems. They had problems in using those gifts in a unifying way, using those gifts in love. So Paul writes them saying, it's so great you're gifted, but this is how you need to use them. So this morning, we're going to see what Paul teaches them and us about what it means to be part of a church and why we should serve in it. Does that sound good? That's a good foundational value to have, isn't it, as a church? Service, unity, every member, ministry. So in this passage today, we're going to see three movements, okay? We're going to see the vision. Paul articulates for us in the first few verses the, what could be, the beautiful vision of what the church could look like. And it is a beautiful picture. But then we're going to encounter a problem, because you and I are part of this church. We're sinful. And so we're going to see two threats that come against this beautiful vision, and then ultimately we're going to see everything through a glorious new way, a new vision, and that is the gospel. Okay? So we're going to see the vision, then two threats to that vision, and then we're going to need the gospel to help us kill those threats. That sounds good. I hope we're going to get started with the first movement, our first point, which is Division. Let's read our first few verses. Here we are. Let's go together. Let's dive in from verse 12. Just as a body, though, one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we're all given the one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Okay, you'll notice some repetition here. Paul's trying to make his point as clear as can be, and it's pretty simple. He's using it by—he's by, trying to make his point by using this metaphor of a body. The human body is one thing, right? My body here is one thing; it's one entity, but it's made up of lots, lots of different things, right? Hands, fingers, toes, nose, eyes, ears—all that kind of stuff. Makes sense. One thing, but made up of many parts. You with me so far? Okay, that's—that's that's good. That's pretty straightforward. And he says, "And so it is with the church." Actually, he doesn't say that. He says, so it is with Christ. It's unexpected. You think, well, you're making a point about the church, aren't you, Paul? Why don't you say the church? He says, so it is with Christ. Why does he do that? Why does he do that? Paul's showing us Christ and his church are so linked <clears throat> that the words are almost interchangeable. Of course, we don't want to downplay Christ's transcendence and his glory, but Christ is manifested in the earthly church have you thought about that we are his manifestation here on earth i love this quote in order to accomplish the work his work on earth jesus had a body made of flesh and blood in order to accomplish his work today jesus has a body that is made of living human beings in a sense or more than in a sense we are christ incarnate made flesh on earth we are his representatives." his ambassadors, it's quite a calling. So the church is one but has many parts. Here's a question. Why and how are we one? What makes us one? Why and how are we one? Well, we have unity around Christ Jesus. Now that just feels bleedingly obvious to say, doesn't it? We have unity in Jesus Christ, but it's incredibly important. There's lots of talk about unity today, which is great which is fantastic. I, for one, I'm sick of the division of so many denominations. If we want to see true and real lasting impact in this world, we need to work together with the churches. We want to break true spiritual ground here. We've got to unite as churches. There's no doubt about that. But there's no point in having unity in the church except for unity in Christ, who he is and what he's done. That is the gospel. Verse 13 says we were baptized into one spirit. The Spirit of God leads us to declare that Jesus is Lord and Savior. So that's how we are founded in unity, and we are one. Now it's so easy, especially if you've been in the church for a little while. It's easy to just skim over that, yeah, yeah, we're one in Christ. But let's not skip over it. I mean, this idea of having unity together is profound. We are a new people gathered together as one. We've been given a new identity we have a new family. Look around you. Go ahead, look around at the people around you. Do, Do it. It's going to be all awkward, but let's do it together so it's not too awkward. Look around you. These are your brothers and sisters. Isn't that totally weird? We are a new family. You know what they say about family? You can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. So too bad you're stuck with the people in this room because that's family. You've been fashioned into a new family. As radical, autonomous, we think we are so, autonomous individuals, that's a weird concept for us, but it's true. Fashioned together as one people, a family as one body, we're stuck. We've been chained. It's no longer just you and I on our own. You can't be baptized and drink of the Spirit and not be brought into a community of believers. And what we see in verse 13, I just want to spend a second on this, what we see in verse 13 here is something exclusive, and radically inclusive Christianity is, is exclusive But also radically inclusive See these words Excuse me Okay so who is part of the body right this is, this is the exclusive part Who is part of the body It's those who profess Christ Everyone is welcome here Every single person no matter the background is, If they believe or not Are welcome in this church But we have unity in Christ That's what makes us who we are That is exclusive but you won't find a more inclusive invitation anywhere see these words back then were absolutely scandalous nowhere would you find Jew and Gentile slave and free in the one room you just it wouldn't happen and today it's no different doesn't matter what your racial background religious background doesn't matter all are welcome doesn't matter if you're the CEO or it's your first day in the mailroom all are welcome and that is a beautiful testament to who Christ is Because those kind of people in the same room to a watching world, that's a special thing. That's a different thing. Why and how are they not fighting? What's going on there? What's binding them together? What a powerful testimony to who Christ is. There is no more inclusive invitation than that. Okay, what a beautiful picture. It's a great vision, isn't it? We are one in Christ Jesus. we're, We're so different, but we come together as one. It's a beautiful vision, but guess what? It's tough. Because you and I are part of that church Because you and I are sinners And we struggle And anywhere where Christians gather Anywhere where people gather And and when Christians gather There's going to be conflict We hope and pray it's different as the church Because we practice grace, forgiveness and redemption But it's tough It's a struggle God is not unaware of that And that's why in this passage There are two threats articulated for us This is what can happen So we've got to know, we've got to be aware so we can meet it with the gospel. So what's the first threat? Well, let's have a look at verse 15. The vision, the problem. Okay, here we go. There we go. Okay, let's read it. Now, if the foot should say, oh, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, oh, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? It's funny, isn't it? Think about a whole body made up of an ear. Think a whole body. It's supposed to be funny. Think of a whole body made up of an eye. It's ridiculous, isn't it? It makes no sense. Now, Paul is continuing with his metaphor of the human body to explain what the church should be like. And here we see just the first threat, the first way we can sabotage working together as a whole. I think you can sum it up with one word. Comparison. Now, lucky for me, I've never struggled with that. That's a total joke. And lucky no one here would ever struggle with anything like comparing each other to each other, would we? This is real. Can we be honest with each other, honest with ourselves? Comparison's a killer. So many of us have a tendency... Just look and be so distracted with other people, what they're doing, what they're achieving, what they're gifted with, what God has given them. And, and sometimes we just think, how could God use me? Look at them. Why would God bother using me? How could he? Look at them. Church doesn't need me because of them. And then what do we do? Well, we feel inadequate, don't we? We feel inadequate and useless. And you know what we end up doing? We end up squandering what we've been given. I don't reckon there's anyone who's immune from this, and I'll admit this is an issue for me. Man, I struggled with it in the band days. You're just seeing other bands play so well, their singles and their albums do so well. and It's intimidating, and I, it, would, it would consume you if you let it. But being a pastor, it's no different. When pastors get together, the first questions you're, you know, how many people you got coming to your church? And, you know, oh, it's just see you know, how's your budget going. I mean, it's just, it, it can be utterly infuriating. And social media, can we just all admit, it is just the worst. It's throwing huge amounts of petrol on this fire, isn't it? I mean, I, I see, I see other church planters and dressed cool and got these cool quotes and, you know, it's looking like they're doing amazing things. You can do some pretty creative things with social media, right? <laughs> Looks like there's thousands in that room. I hear people preach amazing sermons, I see leaders lead so well, I just think, man, why would God waste his time with me? He's achieving so much through them. You know what this is? It's a trap. It goes totally against what God wants for us. Let me say this clearly. God has gifted every single one of us uniquely. And God is not a fool. He does not make mistakes. Hear that? He doesn't make mistakes. He's given you just what he wants you to have. right? While God was doling out gifts, it wasn't like, oh man, I gave too much to Rob. Way too many gifts. I didn't give enough to Anders. What am I thinking? You think God's like that? Do you think he's made a mistake? God is no fool. He makes no mistakes. Every single one of us has been given gifts to use. Not for our own selfish gain, but for the common good to build his church. God's given you exactly what he wants you to give to serve others. And here's the thing I learned a while back, a bit of an aha moment for me. He expects me to make a return on the gifts he's given me, not on the gifts he hasn't given me. He expects me to do something with what he's given me, but not on what he hasn't given me. In the parable of the talents in Matthew's gospel, the master gives the servants different amounts of money. To one he gives five, to one he gives two, and to other he gives one. The one who's given five makes five. The one who's given two makes two, and we know the story. The one who gives, gets one, he's fearful, and he puts it in the ground, and nothing happens. The master does not expect the same return from the one who's given two to the one who's given five. You notice that? He doesn't say to the one he's given two, why didn't you make five? doesn't do that. God does not compare us with each other. He's not into that, so neither should we be. God does not compare us with each other. So can we please stop doing it ourselves? Verse 18 says, something. <laughs> Is that my fault? I'll take that. Yeah, I probably did the slides this morning. But you have to trust me what it says. It says this. And it's the one thing I didn't have in my notes the one slide. (laughs) (laughs) I think God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as He wanted them to be. That's what it is. Trying to make that point. He doesn't make mistakes just as He wanted them to be. We differ from each other, and it's not an accident. We differ from each other because why? God wants those differences to be molded in a special unity that gives him glory. We differ from one another and only God who made us different can hold us together. Every member, unique, distinct, irreplaceable, unrepeatable. We must ask each other, what has God given uniquely to me? To build up his church, whatever that says back there. What has God uniquely given to me? Each one of us must ask that question. What has he uniquely given to me in order to build up his church? You see, we need each other, not just for the health of the body as a whole, but also to enable each individual to operate at full potential. Okay, that's the first threat. What's the first threat? That's comparison. looking at each other. How could God use me when they're... What's the second one? Let's check out verse 21. Here we go. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. So, what can sabotage the vision for a healthy church? What can that look like? Shrinking back, not using the gifts God has given you. What else? Arrogantly assuming that what you have is better than someone else and we don't need them. It's more aggressive. We've got it covered, thanks very much. Far too narrowly focused on what you think the church needs. We don't need them. They can't offer us much. Now, I don't think at this church we're in danger of really articulating that. We're too sophisticated here on the Lower North Shore. We are. We're a bit more passive aggressive. No one's really going to say, we don't need you, thanks very much. It may be, but it's rarer, right? So how does this rear its head? I think it's in the way we don't include certain people. The way we don't invite them to participate. You know, the way we prioritize or pray certain ministries over others. When that happens, we are in danger of saying, thanks, but we don't need you. It's like the head saying to the foot, I don't need you. And then wondering why they trip over. We are in dangerous territory when we are excluding brothers and sisters of the church due to our own self-serving interests. The great theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this. No sermon is complete without a Bonhoeffer quote, am I right? The exclusion of the weak and insignificant, the seemingly useless people from a Christian community may actually mean the exclusion of Christ. In the poor brother, Christ is knocking at the door. We need to hear that, don't we? We need to hear this as we speak about service and unity in the church. No one can be excluded because of perceived weakness. And do we use our common sense? Of course we do. Do we think about appropriateness? It's not anything goes, of course. But Christ's invitation is what? Radically inclusive. And so should ours be. So some of us will struggle to realize and use our gifts because of envy and comparison, others will be tempted to exclude people out of pride, self-seeking pride motives. What do we do? What's the solution to this? How do we kill comparison? How do we kill pride? Well, of course, it is the gospel, a glorious new way of thinking about this. The gospel is a solution to both ways of thinking. To the proud and the arrogant who think their gifts are superior to other people's gifts, what do we need? gospel because it rightly humbles us it says remember who you were you think you're all that remember you're a sinner saved by grace alone don't think so highly of yourself remember that you were so sinful that Christ had to die for you there was no other way and the gifts that you're so proud of how much can you really take credit for that think about it for the gifts you have how much can you really Take credit for it. In the gospel, we, we realize that everything is a gift from God, not our amazing work ethic or our hard work, our dedication, honing our skills. Now, I tell you what, I, I can be tempted to think, I was a singer for a long time, you tend to think, my voice, that's a product of my hard work. All of those lessons I went to, all of those early morning choir practices for years and years and years, Scales, practice, you name it, all that stuff. You know that my voice, that's a result of my hard work. But when I actually think about it, is it really? Or maybe my mother was making decisions on my behalf way before I could. Her dedication for our musical abilities as a family. Not my choice. I had very little choice in the matter, actually. <laughs> Did I have much to do with that? It's a gift. It's a gift from God, is it not? How could I then use it to downplay? It doesn't make sense. When we realize this, we're humbled. It humbles us. This is a good thing. It's good for our soul. Jesus came to bring the proud low. That's okay. It's good for our souls. But to the one who thinks, i got nothing to offer. I mean, what could honestly, what could I offer? The gospel says this. Yes, you were so sinful, Christ had to die for you, but you were so loved that he was willing to do it. Christ left heaven for you, and he's gifted you uniquely to serve him and his church. You see, the gospel brings the proud low and the low high. Now, last week we talked about generosity, didn't we? We talked about generosity. We talked about where our treasure is, there our money flows. It's pretty convicting, right? There our treasure is, there our money effortlessly flows. We want to have Christ as our greatest treasure. And then generosity to the church and others in need. It just makes sense, doesn't it? Well, it's the same when we come to this topic today. How do we kill comparison? How do we kill pride? I have nothing to offer or what I have to offer is better than you. How do we kill it? Well, if we put our self-worth in anything but Jesus, we'll forever be on a sickening Roller coaster ride. What do I mean? I mean this. Every single one of us daily, multiple times a day, are asking the question, how am I doing? Are we not? How am I doing? How am I going? It's so easy to look to the left and the right to others to answer that question, isn't it? How am I going as a parent? How am I going in the workplace? How am I going? You name it. You just fill in that blank. How am I going? If we answer that question by comparison looking at others, two things will happen. If we look at other people and think, I'm doing better than them, What does that breed? It breeds pride. And then I think we're pretty horrible people to be around because we look at other people and we look down on them. I'm better than them. So comparison, being at the center, how am I doing answering that question, looking at others, it can breed pride. We're tough to be around when we look at other people. What else? When we look at other people and we think, they're doing better than me. They're doing way better than me. What does that breed? Breeds despair. Oh, I'll never be good enough. I'll never be like them. You know what? If we let this be the center of our lives, we'll be on this roller coaster. You can feel multiples of these things every day. And it is a sickening roller coaster ride. But only the gospel gives us our true identity. Pride or despair, there are only options when we're looking to others to answer the question, how am I doing? But only the gospel gives us a new identity and does away with our need to compare to others. I don't need to when Christ is my identity, and I'm secure in him. How am I doing? Infinitely loved. So sinful Christ had to die, but so loved he was willing to do it. He endured the cross, scorning its shame. He did that for me. He did that for you. Let that free you. You see what freedom in Christ truly means? A church with this at its center. Oh, what could service look like? The freedom we would experience when we are secure in the truth that we belong to Jesus and his church, our unshakable identities in him, then we can boldly bring to the table what he's given each one of us, can't we? Because if it's not as good as someone else, that doesn't matter. I'm not offended if they say, actually, the team's full. Thank you very much. Or join another team. It doesn't matter because my identity is not in this thing. When our identity is in Christ, we can can do that. And we can rejoice in the gifts that others have. My hope and prayer as we finish up is that as a church, we make beautiful music together. I think we can. I see it happening now. Like any great band, like any great team, and what we bring to the table, we bring what we have, and we become far greater than the sum of our parts in our mission to proclaim the hope of Christ in this area and beyond. Would you pray with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. And in talking about service, we cannot go a step further without saying, we serve because you have served us infinitely. Left heaven, gave your life away, served us radically to bring us life. How could we not offer everything we have in response? Help us to do that. Thank you that you are bringing together people from different walks of life, different ages, different skills. You've uniquely gifted every single one of us. If we're not really aware of what that is, we ask, Lord, would you kindly reveal it to us? Or would you help us just take a step of faith and try something? Because we know we cannot do this without you. Lord, would you kill comparison in our lives? It breeds pride and despair, and we don't want either. Unseat those things in our lives that we must have if they're not you. We ask by your spirit that you would put you, Jesus Christ, the center of our lives, the only thing that can never be taken away from us, the only thing that won't kill us in trying to get it, you'll die for us. Lord, may that be the vision for our lives and this church. In Jesus' name. Amen. We're, gonna, we're actually going to sing in a moment, but before we do, I'm going to invite up Janice. So thanks, team, for, for getting up there very appropriately. But I'm going to ask Janice up here now to uh, interview some folks. Come on up, Janice. Thanks.
2: Thanks, Dave. Um, we're actually going to get practical now, which is a good thing after a message like that. And so while I invite... Uh, three people are coming up. You are possibly warming or at your feet, uh, with your warming with your bottom or at your feet. There is a green card, it's got serve on it. Pull that out and I'm going to invite Paul, Geraldine and Leslie to come and join me up here. I would like to introduce to you, if you haven't met these legends, um, three people who um, really are committed to being a part of the body here at Harbourside and um, it warms my heart to see people put their hand up and go, yes, I want to be involved. I want to be a part of this church. And we just want to get to know you guys quickly about what that means to you, why you do it. So let's get to know you for a second. We've got Geraldine, Leslie and Paul. Why don't you tell me um, who's in your family, um, when you came to Harborside and um, why you decided to get involved?
0: Hi, I'm Geraldine, Um, I have a gorgeous husband in the back there, Garth, I've got two gorgeous girls who are in Kedge Church, we came up from Melbourne in May this year, so we've been here for nearly seven months, Um, we decided to look for a church that was um, new, because we felt that we can belong in a church and serve a church like God would want us to, and grow as a family that is so important as this beautiful church family here in front of us I can see as growing Um, and that's just such an awesome um, body to be part of.
3: I'm Leslie and um, my hubby's Darren and we have three kiddies um, probably the older kids in the church. Um, which was an unusual choice for us to choose a church that actually didn't really serve my children because we, from the outset, had decided that we wanted a church where we could serve and serve sooner rather than later. Um, We've moved around the world and we've noticed that the only times that we've actually felt integrated and grounded in a city are the churches that we've actually chosen to be involved in.
4: Uh, my name's Paul, married to Sally. She's actually at home preparing for a trip away again. We've got two boys, 18 and 15. Uh, we've been here since January, early January.
2: Is this one working? Awesome. I'll keep this one. Um, so let's just go back to all three of you. Tell me what you do here at church, and what does it mean for you to, to – what do you get out of it? I mean, obviously, you put something in, but there's, there's got to be a real heart um, – Motivation for it, and you know, I don't. You know, it says blessed to be a blessing, right? We get something back when we serve. Go for it.
0: Um, I'm a bit of a mixed bag. I kind of help with. Uh, I can help. Oh no, sorry, um, I help a bit in kids' church, serving, welcoming, setting up. Um, for me. I always look at my Christian life as like if Jesus was around us without us knowing these actually here, how would He be serving? And I feel that um, He'll be serving no matter what, doing anything possible. And it makes me feel um, part um, of of a place and get to know people. Like this morning, I was helping out with tea and I met Haley for the first time, and it just makes me feel so much. So, what's the right word? It makes me feel part of. And I think that's very important as humans. We all want to feel loved. We want to feel part of. And that's how Jesus would be. He's a loving God, and it pleases me to serve him. Um, and I'm not comfortable standing here, by the way. <laughs> Just saying. So I think putting yourself out there, taking it out of your comfort zone, um, is very important um, in, in life and in church.
3: Um, I do bits and bobs. I look at myself as a pair of extra hands. I have set up many chairs, set up many tables, vacuumed rugs, um, use my online shopping skills for mini play, chase down batteries, welcoming team, um, music team, bits and bobs. Um, yeah, just wherever we can serve. Uh, what do I get out of it? We, I think, when we move from... Um, yeah, we ch- transition from being a guest of the church to being part of the family when we actually get involved. And for us, family's really important because my family's actually from Perth. Um, same with Darren. And so to be this far away from extended family, you know, we, we chose a church where we want to know you. We want to know you better. We love working alongside you. You're in, you inspire me. You ground me. Um, yeah, all these amazing people that I respect. I think of you guys when... Things are hard on the outside of this church, beyond these four walls, if I'm having a tough time, seeing how you live your life with Jesus in you inspires me when that's tough for me. So thank you.
4: So good. Um, So I sit at the back, and it's always a sound guy, um, and today's a shocker. (laughs) 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 Because we suddenly realize that that our little charge at the back isn't really working anymore. So that's why we've had battery issues. Yeah, but I've been doing sound, been here since January, like I said. Um, You wouldn't want me singing. Um, So I'm happy to be at the back, but one of the things I get out of it is seeing people worship, because none of you see each other worshiping, especially if if you're in the front. We're at the back, Pete and I are often there at the back, and you can just see when people are really worshiping. Um, We're part of a little team, and I think that's the most that I get out of it. It's not just serving and seeing people worship, but it's being part of God's community and Pete and I, you know, we've got quite close over the years and we've known each other a long time. But it's those little bonds you, uh, you actually create, which I think lifts me. I want to come to church. And we do some of the other technical stuff around, which is a bit of fun. We haven't killed ourselves yet. <laughs>
2: awesome. I'm really encouraged by what you guys just said. And um, I'm actually going to ask you to take your seat now. And I, I, I'm going to um, get practical with you guys with this. I'm going to highlight a few things that are in church where we actually need help because if you don't know, you don't know, right? So, we, um, we really need people to help on media. Now, if you see the media box on this card, you go, ooh, that sounds technical. It's actually not that hard. Um, I'm about to learn myself, and <laughs> Pete Jonas is nodding very emphatically up there. So, what, what media is, it's, it's essentially, if you can use a mouse and do this, <laughs> you're almost there. Okay, <laughs> and, and obviously you'll have training, but we need people because what happens is Pete Jonas up the back there, he ends up being the guy who's here three weeks out of four doing that job, and I love giving Pete a break, I love it, and I can't do that because you guys still need to be able to read words and you still need to be able to, to see things for the sermon up on the screen, so someone needs to do this. So if you think, hey, I could do that, imagine if I got four or five people who ticked that box today on this card and we were able to train you, Pete would be a happy man, I would be a happy woman, and you guys would get to learn a new skill that is a little bit more than this, but you get to learn how technical stuff works, you get to learn to, it's a skill you could put on your resume, I think that's um, a bit of a bonus. Someone's waving at me at the back. Does anybody need Yes, if you need one of these. I'll put your hand up, and we'll get one too. A couple of the other areas that we need help in is um, even though we're coming to the end of our term, we really need people if you have uh, to help with mini play. If you have a Tuesday morning free and you just you actually can talk and you're happy to talk to people, we just actually need people to come and talk to people because we have a lot of community parents and carers coming in and the whole point is not just to have a cool place for kids to play. It's actually to help integrate them into church, to build relationships. Um, we've we've seen bridges that we've built, relationships there. Have, um, two ladies have been coming to Alpha. Um, hopefully they're going to come to some other things. That's actually really why we do mini play. It actually is. There's a whole lot of other places people can go and play with toys, but... Harperside Church mini-play is actually an outreach ministry for us. And so if you have Tuesday morning free, we'd love to see you. And you could join the team for this year, be on the planning team for next year. So in the blank space at the bottom where it doesn't say, <laughs> say mini-play, <laughs> right, mini-play, and I will be in touch... Um, the other thing is what I loved about what Leslie said, she said, I use my online shopping skills and I use this skill and this skill. You know, you might have an other that we don't know about and you can put that on this card and we would love to be in touch. Maybe you've got some specialised thing. You go, that I'm a fingernail in the body and I can be the fingernail for Harborside um, because we all need fingernails, you know. And so um, everyone can play their part. So if there's a part that's not listed here, we want to know about it. Um, before we fill this out, I just want to share a little moment with you that um, happened for me this year. I, I was driving to church or small group or somewhere and I, was, I had a really bad attitude. I was like, "Oh, I'm doing everything, and I just had a, a grumble. I was having a grumble day, you know? Does anyone ever have them? <laughs> I was just having a, I was having a bad attitude day. I was like, felt like I was carrying a lot and I just felt like no one else was putting their hand up. But, I got a God whisper, and God said to me, oh, how wonderful that you get to be the one. Really, he said, how wonderful that you get to be the one. And oh, it flipped. I went, yes, I get to be the servant. I actually get to do, to do, to do this, not, not the other person. This is the privilege for me. It actually completely changed I, my everything changed. I started smiling. I was happy to do whatever I was doing. I can't remember what I was doing, but imagine if the culture of this church was us falling over ourselves, trying to get to be the one who gets to serve and gets to clean. You know know what Geraldine said to me today? She goes, I've just cleaned out the fridge. It was disgusting. And I thought, someone had to do that. And she did it. She loved doing it, I think. You know? (laughs) But still, someone had to do that. You know? And she got to be the one how wonderful you know so i would love that to be the culture of our church that we had a servant heart and we just love to be the one that got to serve so we're going to take a moment now um if you're new or visiting and please afford us this moment this is uh, you know you're very welcome to fill one out but this is this is something that um we do every term and if you have already filled one or three of these out please do it again um we, I'm happy for you to tick just an extra box. Yes, I'd like to try morning tea. I haven't done that before. And we respect your time, hey? Like, you're not actually scheduled all that often. So, if you put, tick five things, doesn't mean you're, you're doing five amounts of work. You just get to be on a different team doing different things, so. Is that okay? Yes. The musicians are gonna play for... Oh, we, <laughs> we need musicians. Um, we've had a few farewells recently, and with those farewells have gone some of our skill um, based um, volunteers or servants. Um, so, if you have a um, capable, hidden, unknown musical talent that we don't know about, then tick band, and Dave will be in touch.